Hello, everyone. It's me, Joe. This is Strange Sound, episode 37. 37? My goodness me. We're really getting up there. I feel like I've already done episode 37, and if I'm <laughs> if I'm mistaken here, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure we left off with 36 last time. I don't believe I'm mistaken, but we'll see. We'll see. The last one I posted was number 36. So, 37, unless uh, something went terribly wrong and uh, there would be two 37s, then one would actually be 38 as opposed to 37, and we'd have the numbers wrong, my goodness. Anyway, regardless of what number episode this is, and I believe it is 37, um, this podcast is um, its really representative only of my own opinions, no one else's, so no one associated with me um, shares these opinions necessarily. Um, uh, I speak only for myself. Um, most of the facts that I reference are other people's work. Uh, I will cite things when appropriate and otherwise just bloviate and do the sorts of things that I do on my blog at big-green.net. Um, if you look at my political rants blog, it's very similar to this, except I write everything down instead of saying everything. And of course, if you want a transcript of the show, you can listen to the show and write everything down. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's, that's a little, uh, that's a little inappropriate, I suppose. But, um, anyway, I don't have the resources to do anything like a transcript at this point. Um, if, I continue with the show, and if uh, I get some more listeners, uh, I'll probably expand into transcription and some other things that uh, involve a certain amount of investment. So uh, we shall see. We shall see. But as for right now, as for right now, this is a real shoestring uh, operation here. This is just me. I'm producing it. Um, I'm recording it. I'm posting it. I'm using the Anchor app to do it. That is not an endorsement. That's just what I'm doing. And there you have it. Uh, So here we are. Um, I'm recording this on November 14th. The um, presidential race, as everyone probably knows, has essentially been called by um, all the major networks, as is what happens every presidential election year, contrary to what other people would have you believe say, uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who's somehow suggesting that it's only when the Electoral College meets in December that uh, there's some formal acknowledgement of who won the race in the presidential election. Um, That's never been the case (laughs) in my lifetime. Uh, no one has ever waited for the Electoral College to vote in order in order to declare a winner in my lifetime. Um, the closest thing to that was in the year 2000 when we had a disputed election based on um, the vote count in Florida. Everyone remembers that. Bush v. Gore. Three of the Bush team attorneys are now on the Supreme Court, <laughs> as it happens. Um Amy Coney Barrett, most recent one, of course, Kavanaugh and uh, John Roberts all worked on that uh, case on behalf of George W. Bush, in case anyone has forgotten. Um, Yeah, so 
anyway, there's this uh, notion that um, that they, you know, the networks have declared a winner in the presidential race. That's completely inappropriate. Uh, bull crap. It happens every time. Uh, this is mostly the uh, whining of people who have lost the election and can't get used to the idea that they lost a presidential election. Take it from me, folks. I've been on the losing end of presidential elections most of my life, and it doesn't feel good, but it also doesn't help to deny the reality that you, in fact, lost. I remember uh, Democrats losing in 1968. I remember very painfully in 1972, because I worked on the McGovern campaign, as I've mentioned on the show before, um, as a 12 or 13-year-old. I remember in 1980 very well. Um, I wasn't really heavily invested in the uh, Carter campaign, the Carter re-election campaign. In fact, I voted for Barry Commoner in the state of New York. As it turned out, that wasn't a very good idea because uh, Carter lost the state of New York. Um, It wasn't because of the Commoner votes. Um, It was just because he, you know, the Carter coalition collapsed in 1980. And we ended up with Ronald Reagan, who was a disaster. Um, Unmitigated disaster. Just to set the record straight. Some of you folks who watch MSNBC might think something else. Um, Trust me. Or don't trust me. (laughs) But the way I see it, uh, Reagan was an unmitigated disaster with regard to um, workers, with regard to the developing world, particularly Central America, South America, Southern Africa, um, East Timor, a lot of the world suffered um, because of Reagan. Um, Middle East, the Iran-Iraq conflict, which they heavily invested in, um, the Lebanese war, which uh, you know they weren't exactly a positive influence on either. And uh, yeah, this is there is a very bad record there um but i won't get get too uh, deeply into that all i all i will say is uh <laughs> just in passing um that was a tremendously disappointing election and i think my disappointment was justified over the years in as much as a lot of the th- a lot of the major conflicts in international affairs that we face nowadays and a lot of the a lot of the domestic difficulties the economic difficulties trace back to that administration they aren't entirely rooted in that administration but they were boosted those problems were exacerbated in a big way and sort of brought up to the next level uh during the reagan administration so yeah that was not a good time and we're still we're still dealing with the fallout from that we're still still dealing with the fallout from uh, George W. Bush's administration. Of course, I remember the um, the election uh, that um, his father won um, in 1988. I I actually voted for his opponent, um, not enthusiastically, but I did vote for him. And uh, and yeah, we lost that election too. That sucked. That sucked. Um, 1992 came. And, uh, yeah, the, the Clinton uh, team won that year. Uh, they won in 96. 
Uh, again, I wasn't tremendously enthusiastic about them. I didn't vote for them in 1996. I didn't vote for Dole. I voted actually for Ralph Nader that year. Um, and then, of course, the 2000 debacle. Again, wasn't tremendously enthusiastic about the Democratic nominee that year either, but uh, George W. Bush was an unmitigated disaster. Of course, if you watch MSNBC again, <laughs> you're seeing a lot of the uh, alumni of that administration, some of them um, with their own shows, uh, certainly showing up left and right and mostly right on uh, MSNBC. So, uh, and a lot of them never Trumpers, you know, I mean, some of them, you know, maybe a little bit more remorseful about some of the things that happened during the Bush administration than others. I don't really know. Uh, I can't see into their souls. They don't really talk about it that much, frankly. Um, the person who talks about Reagan probably more than anyone else on MSNBC is Joe Scarborough, uh, because he was in the, uh, Gingrich Congress, and he was a big supporter of, of Reagan um, leading up to that. Um, so, <laughs> you know, he obviously thinks it's some kind of high water mark. Uh, I deeply disagree with that, but I won't get into that. Anyway, we lost that election. We lost 2000. We lost 2004. That was a disappointment. Same sort of, same sort of thing. So, you know, look, <laughs> I mean, there was reason to question the results in in 2000 because of Florida. Not because of anything else, because of Florida, which was a deeply disputed vote. And we may never entirely know what happened in Florida that year, but I can say that it's, it's just as likely as not as, that the wrong person was awarded um, the electoral votes for Florida that year. But in any case, when that was decided, that was decided and <laughs> and you know, it was basically suck it up, right? It was suck it up in 2004. Didn't like it, but there you go. We lost. Not enough people voted for the Democratic candidate and we bloody lost. Um same thing in 2016. Wasn't happy about it. But again, the numbers are the numbers. Our system is our system. The Electoral College is, is a sham, but it's our system, and we're stuck with it until we do something about it. That's just the way we elect presidents, right? It's not right. It's not democratic. It should have been done away with decades ago, but we still have it, and we're stuck with it until we do something about it. So, you know, for you folks out there, and I'm sure none of you are listening to this podcast, as there's only a handful of people who do listen to this podcast, and my guess is that most of them agree with me, <laughs> or at least are on my side of the uh, ideological divide. Uh, if, if you're having trouble accepting the results of this election, all I can say is, you know, suck it up. You lost. That's the way it goes. That's the way elections go. Everybody gets that once in a while. And this time it's your turn. So I don't, know. I don't know what to tell you. You'll feel better later. There's always another election. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, but that isn't really what I wanted to talk about today. What I wanted to talk about, and you know, just briefly, I'm not going to go on too long. 
Um, which, you know, I'm sure someone out there is glad to hear. <laughs> I certainly am. I'm sick of hearing myself speak. But, um, yeah, the thing I wanted to talk about today is just the this uh, sort of Trump denial syndrome and, you know, people looking at this like it's kind of, well, indicative of a sort of latent coup plot that if the election had been closer, they might have like tried to cling on to power and and these are all the tactics they would have used to stay in, in, in office, even if it seemed relatively clear that they had lost. Um, but, you know, that there was some question over some of the balloting in some of the states, whereas um, in the current circumstances, really, it's very hard for them to make that argument. It's very hard to deny the simple fact that they just lost, that they didn't get enough people to vote for them in the right states. And in fact, you know, the popular vote, not that that matters, but the popular vote is in excess of 5 million votes uh, majority. Um, Biden having 5 million votes plus more than Donald Trump nationwide. And that's a considerable margin. So, you know, I mean, the the margin in the battleground states were at least, depending on how you evaluate this, but for the closest states, um, a gaggle of states that would have swung their election the other way, uh, the margin was about 88 to 90,000 votes in those, I think, five states. And someone has named them, I it was probably on MSNBC. I don't know. Somewhere along the line, somebody talked about the fact that these states, if they'd gone the other way, it would have been just a matter of about 88,000 votes and the election would have gone the other way. Now, that would have been like dead even, right? The amount by which Biden beat Trump amounted to 88,000 votes. So we're probably talking about, you know, Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona maybe Pennsylvania, um, Nevada, maybe. Uh, maybe those are the five they're talking about. If Trump had won all five of those, um, he would have won the election. And maybe even fewer than that. Um, Michigan wasn't wasn't that close. Michigan was like 150,000 advantage to Biden. But in any case... This behavior on the part of the uh, Trump team and on the part of the Republicans more broadly has been seen as indicative of like the outlines of what had what would have been a coup if it had been closer, something like a coup. And that may be true. I don't really know. I'm not sure what they were planning. They were certainly making noises in that direction. But what it seems to me, what this is, is really just a return to plan A, a return to to Trump's original plan A. Now, this has been broadly reported on, and I don't think it's a particularly controversial claim to say that when Trump ran for president in 2015, 2016, he did it as a branding exercise. He didn't expect to win. I don't think that's any secret. I think he didn't really expect to win that race. But what he did expect to do 
is rally a massive audience and use that audience to build some kind of media empire after the election. And an important part of that process, an important part of that effort would have been to claim that the election was a fraud and that he had been cheated out of the presidency, thereby setting up this sort of a massive narrative of aggrievement that, you know, really is just that that's the stuff of the right nowadays. This kind of white resentment aggrievement, you know, over somehow being wronged, cheated out of something, something taken away from you, right? That was the plan. That was plan A in 2016. That was what was going to happen. As far as they were concerned, they never expected to win that race. They believed the polls too. They thought Hillary Clinton was going to walk into the presidency. I don't think they thought for a moment that they were going to win. And their behavior kind of bears that out. But if you'll remember, uh, you know, maybe you remember, maybe you don't, but I, I remember in 2016, in the weeks running up to the campaign, in fact, in, in, in the months running up to election day, Trump was saying all the things that he's been saying this year, which is, you know, to the effect of, um, I'll accept the results of the election if I win. If I don't win, it'll be because of massive fraud. Because look at the size of my rallies. He went around saying things similar to that. And that was, you know, their plan was to get people riled up. They didn't think they'd get over the top, but they thought they'd do well enough. Um, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of related to the uh, advice that Buchanan gave Nixon back in 1968, which was, um, we're going to split the American people in half. But that's okay because you'll get the bigger half. We'll take the bigger half. And in those days, it was true. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, with Trump, it's like, well, you know, we're going to split the American people in half and we're going to get the smaller half, but that's okay because that may not be enough to get the presidency, but it'll be enough. And in fact, that that is, if you think about it, that's exactly what they did. Um, that may not be enough to get the presidency as the narrative would have gone in those days, but it would be enough to create a media empire because slightly less than half of the American people is an enormous audience. It may not be enough to make you president, but it's enough to, to like blow Rush Limbaugh out of the water. It's enough to blow Fox News out of the water. It's tens of millions of people, a huge audience, a huge potential audience. And, um, that's pretty much what they were saying at the time, right? They were they were saying, "Look, you know, we're we're if we don't win, it's going to be because we got cheated out of it uh, because of crooked Hillary and and the Democrats and look what they did." And you know, we're gonna we're gonna get close. We're gonna get close. And then they won, so they had to go to Plan B. They had Plan A. That was going to be build the media empire after the failed election and base it on that sense of aggrievement out of having been cheated out of the presidency. That didn't work out. They all looked kind of shocked, if you remember. They actually did. 
look shocked. And and they they acted kind of shocked in a way. Um, but, you know, then it was plan B. Plan B was be president. It was plan B president, basically. And that's what they've been doing for the last four years. It's just sort of playing out this scenario. Then they were like, oh, okay, well, what can we do? Well, you know, I guess we'll have to turn the presidency into a reality television show because that's pretty much all Trump knows how to do is be in a reality television show. So we'll just make every day an episode of the reality television show. He will be the star and uh, we'll all be extras in his show. And that's basically what he did for the last four years with disastrous consequences. But that was plan B, right? Plan A never got implemented because they couldn't do it. They won the bloody election. Well, I think what they're doing now and what they've been winding up to do, not stupidly. (laughs) I mean, they may have expected to win this time, but I'm not sure that they did. Uh, I I know that, um, you know, I'm not much one for uh, listening to um, some of these commentators like uh, James Carville, uh, others, but James Carville at one point, I remember in the run up to the, this, this election was saying, it's like, <laughs> it's like they don't even want to win. You know, he was saying that they're acting like a campaign that doesn't want to win the presidency, that they're not trying to sort of reach beyond their core audience. And again, this is a reelect. It's not them. It's, it's not a first run, right? This is an, an incumbent president running for reelection with all the advantages of incumbency. And instead of like maximizing those advantages, um, he sort of played to his base. But what he did is he positioned himself to essentially return to plan A, right? If plan B was going to fall by the wayside, there's still plan A. And plan A is, I got cheated out of the election. White aggrievement right? I am the injured party and I resent it. And you should resent it too, because you're on my side. You're on the Trump team. So come with me to this new media enterprise that I'm going to, that I'm going to found the minute I leave the presidency and probably well before that, right? This is the plan. They're just returning to the original plan that they had and they've set it up, you know, pretty cleverly got to give them credit they've set the predicate for it the predicate was set in 2016 but and and they've basically been saying the same thing over and over again about how you can't trust mail-in ballots even though they use them themselves you can't trust um the election machinery in democratic run states you can't trust Philadelphia, you can't trust Atlanta, you can't trust Chicago, you can't trust Detroit. You know, all these uh, cities are, are have something in common, uh, lots of people of color. Um, so, you know, these are, these, are, these are corrupt places in the eyes of the president. Why? Well, what do they have in common? Let's think about that. Yeah, so... Uh, They've been setting that predicate once again. And in losing the presidency, they are able 
to return to a, a version of plan A, right? Now, I'm not saying that the president won't necessarily, uh, I'm not saying that he's completely given up on trying to hang on to the presidency. I think, I kind of think he has, but I may be wrong there. Uh, he's probably looking beyond the end of the presidency and how to how to sort of bring this thing to a close that's going to best advantage him. And it isn't exactly the way it would have been in 2016 because he's already been president. He will be in a position to still be kind of like a political kingmaker in the Republican Party. He isn't like... He hasn't been completely flushed out. You know, it wasn't like a shutout election. It was a decisive election. There's no question, but that that's true. It was a decisive election. Um, and if he were any other Republican candidate who lost in this fashion, uh, he would have been shuffled away and uh, you wouldn't have heard from him again or not very much from him again. I mean, he'd kind of be like Mitt Romney. He might have come back and been in the Senate or something like that, right? Um, Trump is not going anywhere. I personally think Trump is going to establish some kind of media presence. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether he's going to start his own cable channel. I don't know if he's going to start his own um, uh, operation of some kind, media operation of some kind. I know it's going to have something to do with that. And he's going to try to capitalize on this enormous audience that he has, this over 70 million people that voted for him. That's an enormous audience. That's an enormous number of people, many of whom doubt the veracity of the claim that he lost the election. I don't know what the percentage is, but I've heard I've heard it suggested that more than half of these people, um, and, and that's probably conservative, more than half of these people think that the president actually won this election and that, and that the Democrats stole it away from him. To the extent that they're willing to admit that, uh, you know, this election is over. I have to say, you know, back in 2000, I had a uh, Republican neighbor. He was actually a uh, county legislator. He's a nice guy, uh, conservative Republican though. And I remember during the 2000 election, as the recount was going on, uh, I remember him saying to me, uh, you know, it's over. It's over. Really. Yeah, just, just forget it. It's over. And I was like, what? You know, and, uh, he was right. Uh, it was hard to accept, but again, just to return to what I started with, <laughs> it's like, that was, that was not a good feeling. But he was right, and I, you know, I I realized it afterwards. It was like, yeah, it's there, you know, just given the power differential, given the situation uh, that had taken hold at that point, um, yeah, yeah, they were gonna they were gonna hand it to to Bush back then. It was more decisive in 2016, in the sense that there wasn't enough to dispute really. An electoral college win that looks very much like Biden's win right now. I think 306 to whatever, um, a considerable win. 306 to, I think it's 232, because I think 538 is the total, right? And I think that was Trump's um, 
electoral college count um, victory um, in, I think that was his electoral college victory. Those were the numbers back in 2016, which is ironic. And of course, they referred to it back then as an electoral landslide. It's a landslide. I won in a landslide. I won in a landslide. It's historic. It's enormous. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, not so much now, right? Because the shoe is on the other foot. But that's okay, because they're going back to plan A. This is the original plan that the Trump organization had. This is the original plan that Trump had. A branding exercise that would end with him establishing some kind of media company and cashing in on the fact that um, basically other people paid for him to self-promote. In the biggest sort of a reality show um, extravaganza that the United States has ever seen. An actual presidential run where the guy became came within would have come within a whisker of being president. Except something went wrong and he actually became president. So now it's an even bigger extravaganza in the sense that we've gone through a four-year term of a presidency that was basically a reality show. We were all locked into his reality show. But again, that was plan B. And they didn't plan very well for plan B. They really didn't expect it. And you could tell just by the way they were approaching it. They put zero thought into that. They put zero thought into their transition to the presidency. They didn't have the pieces or the players in place. Uh, You know, this is not controversial. (laughs) And where they're going now is where they originally wanted to go, except they, they now have some of the advantages of having been president. And maybe in four years, he's going to run for president again. Maybe he'll decide that that's worth doing. Even if it, even if it, he did, wouldn't necessarily benefit from that. Remember, he thought about running in 2012. He thought about running in 2012. But that was really just to raise his profile a bit because he was in negotiations with NBC over his contract. He wanted them to have to pay more to get him back for another season of The Apprentice. And that's exactly what they did. I remember Lawrence O'Donnell reported on that. I mentioned that. You could go back and look at it. Uh, O'Donnell was uh, was pretty harsh on NBC. <laughs> it was right, right about when his show started. It was like some of the first episodes of his show, and he was like ripping on them. So, you know, that's uh, those were some of the best episodes of his show, in my humble opinion. Um, yeah, but he you know, saw that as a branding exercise in miniature and saw the potential of it. And when 2014, 2015 came along, after he'd spent years peddling the lie that Barack Obama was born in, I don't know, Indonesia or someplace uh, or in Kenya or whatever, um, making a name for himself in the political sphere, he decided it was time to do the branding exercise properly and to use it to build his own empire as he no longer had his post within NBC. I forget when that show ended. I think it was before 2015. But he was ready for the next thing. 
Um, his stock had been lifted considerably by his association with N- NBC. Um, even though he's very critical of NBC, NBC really remade Donald Trump and brought him into everyone's living room. That was an extremely popular show. They made him seem like a successful businessman in the eyes of millions of Americans. That in itself was a massive branding enterprise. And that positioned him perfectly to do what he ended up doing, which was run for president in 2015, 2016. Hopefully not win. Well, it wasn't even so so much hopefully not win. Just not be able to win. Because his assumption was that he wouldn't win. Plan A went down. But they still have plan A. And now they're dusting it off and they're going to use it. You just watch. So there we have it, folks. Plan B is coming to an end. It's time to go back to plan A. And uh, God only knows where that's going to end up. Okay, that's all I got for today. I'd like to hear what you think about this. Do you think Donald Trump is going to move on from here to create a media empire like he might have planned to have done back in 2016 when he didn't expect to become president? Or do you think he's going to do something else? Uh, Do you think I'm totally full of shit? Uh, Why don't you leave a a, uh, one-minute voicemail? Um, You can do that at my anchor site, anchor.fm slash strange sound. Just go there. You can leave a voicemail. I'll be glad to play it on the air. I'll be glad to respond to it. We could turn this into a conversation. I'd be glad to do a Zoom session with somebody. I mean, it's not going to be live, right? But I'll be glad to record a conversation with anybody who wants to talk to me. <laughs> and I will put portions of it on the air. That that much I will promise. Um, you can also find out more about Strange Sound by going to uh, our Twitter feed. You can reach out to me via Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Strange Sound Pod. Just go to big-green.net to find out more about our other uh, web properties and podcasts and music and whatever. Um, There's a political blog there. I call it Political Rants. Um, You can find out about that at big-green.net slash bg. Or just go to big-green.net and click on the um, blog tab. And uh, that will take you there. And you can look at podcasts. Uh, We've got some video posted. Just go right ahead. Take a look. Hey, why not? You're more than welcome. Hope everyone is hanging in there. I know these are difficult days. COVID rising all around. Um, it's getting pretty bad up here in upstate New York too. So, uh, be safe, be careful, wear your mask, avoid people. Um, don't have to lock yourself in the basement, but just watch out, uh, stay well, and we'll talk to you next time.